What's up, everybody, and welcome into the newest episode of Crunch Time with Cruck. We are excited to have you all here on hand with us, and I think it's actually going to be a fun show today. We're expanding into more and more uh, categories. So we're going to be talking about um, NFL, college football, college hoops, then we're going to go World Cup, and then for our final one, we like to try to have some fun with it. We're going to keep that one a mystery until we get there. So starting off, well, actually, i got to introduce all the cast members. Uh, as always, Max Williams joined in the booth. Max, how are we doing today? Doing great, Crook. How are you? Man, living the dream, living the dream. Donnie Barry is back in the booth, took last week off, but he's back, and he's looking to fill out that application for a full-time crunch time spot. I mean, it feels really good to be back, obviously. You know, Target's favorite employee, signing in. Couldn't be here last week because I was working a shift, but... You know, I'd much rather be here than working at Target. Well, let's hope that your employer isn't listening into Crunch Time. But it is a popular show, so who knows? Let's hope not. Let's hope not. Uh, Let's get things kicked off right away with some NFL news. And before we jump into the rankings right away, I have some buy or sells for both of you guys to take your opinions on. Jalen Hurts, is he a one-year talent? Is this his one explosive year? Or do you think he's going to be able to continue this? seasons coming forward and become a generational talent i personally think i would not i would probably buy on jalen hurts and i would say this because you got to understand that jalen hurts is still a young developing quarterback in my opinion i think he also has weapons around him that are still very well too i think adding aj brown is huge and having Devontae smith in the roster is big as well and i think the eagles are a team how they're managing staff is working how nick sariani a new coach in there is coaching up the eagles i think is very important too so right now i would not try to sell on jalen hurts i would definitely go for him i'm i'm right there with you max i mean he's 100 percent. i'm spending all my money on him i mean from back in, we saw him in college at alabama even what he did in one year at ou dude is just dude is a dog it's as simple as that and if you look at the like just outside how they're carrying themselves that that being the eagles you watch uh, Jason Kelsey and Travis Kelsey's podcast. They're having fun. Mm-hmm. The Eagles are having fun, and they're winning games while doing it. It doesn't get better than that, uh, being on a football team. All right, and then the second buy or sell, the Vikings. Are they legit or not? I'm going to say they are. And it's, it's very interesting. A lot of people don't know about Kirk Cousins or whatever, but I believe in Kirk Cousins. I think there's something about Kirk Cousins this year. Obviously, he's getting all the swag from everybody else. <laughs> he's getting swag with the chains and everything else. So now, to, I think, what was it, uh, Thursday Night Football, he's trying to ask for grills from uh, Justin Jefferson. But I don't know. Getting the real serious aside, though, I think the Vikings have more weapons now. Obviously, they took seriously getting TJ Hawkinson. A lot of people don't understand. That's a big pickup for them after losing one of their tight ends they had. And I think Justin Jefferson is just one spectacular talent wide receiver. You just can't sleep on him anytime he gets the ball or touches it. So, And their defense, yeah, they've let up a couple of points on certain games, but they're battle-tested. They always try to find a way of winning at the end of games. Um, sorry, Donnie, obviously against the Bills. Obviously they found a way to win that one. Yeah. But, you know, I think that's why I think the Vikings are for real, especially in that whole division, which we thought the Packers would be there. And the Packers have been slowly not good at all. And so that's... Something to keep in mind is right now, maybe Jordan Love might start that game. Who knows? I mean, yeah, I'm, I am I really don't know. Uh, Kirk Cousins has always been a really good regular season quarterback. But I just think the true test is in the playoffs. I, let's We'll see if they can get past the first round. All right, and then um, switching from buy to sell to basically who's going to drop first, the Chiefs and the Dolphins both are on a five-game winning streak, the longest in the NFL. They're both tied for five. Mm-hmm. Who's going to get the first loss and lose that winning streak? 
I'll say the Dolphins. And it's a tough one because both teams are going to be good. The Chiefs, obviously, this week have Cincinnati in Cincinnati. That is going to be a tough game. Remember, a couple of years ago, Cincinnati beat them twice, obviously winning in the AFC North game and then winning, obviously, in the championship. But who the Dolphins play this week? Who they got, you know? I couldn't tell you offhand. Yeah, I couldn't tell you off the hand. Well, looking at their schedule, though, obviously – I'm not going to know who they play first of all, but they play in the AFC East, which is still loaded. And you got to understand that the Bills are going to be a battle-tested kind of team. Okay, looks like they play 49ers. Okay, well, in San Francisco. In San Francisco, so that actually is a big challenge. That's tough, um, yeah. And playing it's a team that is loaded and probably looks like they're going to win the NFC West, I think, in the 49ers right now. Um, I think they possibly could lose that game, but the question I always still, and I. A lot of people I get with this. I thought Tua upgrade a lot this year. And I thought this was when I kept going on, I said this was the make it or break it year for Tua. And I'm going to keep it as this way because obviously this year he's above in expectations, but we don't know until the playoffs. And I think obviously the, the Chiefs are more of a team that is overall still coached well with Andy Reid in a game that's obviously with Cincinnati and still tough schedule. I don't think they're going to lose as quickly as the Dolphins will. So I'll probably say the Dolphins at this moment in time. Uh, you know, I'd have to say the same thing, but it's just for the simple fact that the Chiefs have been tried and tested as a really good football team year in and year out for the past, like, five years now. Since Patrick Mahomes got drafted, they've been a top-tier team. And so I just think that the susceptibility of the Dolphins being a new team that's up in the top, I think that's what will cause them to fall. And then since we've talked about the Dolphins versus Niners matchup next week, Max talked about it, or the 49ers are likely to win that NFC West. Um, and, I mean, a lot of their fans thought the season was over when Trey Lance went down. And, uh, yeah, you know, sure. Jimmy G just stepped in and he said, hey, like, I'm still the guy here. They're ranked mm-hmm. number eight in the power rankings in the NFL. And I say it before I'll say it again, there's a reason he is literally called, he was called the next Tom Brady. Why are we, do you think the 49ers – Moved on too quickly from Jimmy G to go straight to uh, Trey Lance. I mean, at the time, I think they really were trying to get with Trey Lance because they were trying to build everything under Trey Lance's lead and everything else. I think now looking at it, though, you can't get rid of Jimmy G. I say you can't because Jimmy G just finds ways to win. No matter what you can say about him, he might not have the skill set as Trey Lance or say like maybe like, I'm not saying he plays on this team, Justin Fields with the running ability. Obviously, it's what Trey Lance has. But think about what Shanahan does. He's going to make whoever he coaches into a great player. And that's what he's done with Jimmy G, and that's how they went to the NFC Championship game there last year or playoffs last year. They made a big run in the playoffs, and we can't sleep on that. Obviously, we can't sleep on Christian McCaffrey on the team now and having Debo Samuel and Ayuk there. I mean, that's another thing to keep in mind. So I there is no reason why anyone should think that Jimmy G has fallen or should be gone or anything. I think he should be staying there for a while on that roster. And then Trey Lance can just help out, maybe be in packages or get into a chance to play. And then, Donnie, one for you. You're a fan of the uh, AFC East with the Bills, Dolphins, uh, Patriots, and Jets. With Belichick having two mid, if you will, mid-season, or pardon me, like mid-middle-of-the-pack seasons, do you think that this will be Belichick's last year coaching? No, not at all. Bill Belichick, like Nick Saban, he's the GOAT of NFL coaching. We all know this. He'll be talked about with the Lombardis, with the Bear Bryants, with all with the best of them. And so I think with Bill Belichick, he only leaves when he wants to leave. He will retire when he thinks it's time. Mm-hmm. Now that time probably could be soon approaching with how bad he's been. But granted, he hasn't been dealt the best hand. 
And then, like we say, all dynasties have to fall eventually. It was time for the Patriots to fall, and they have fallen miraculously. So I just, I guess we'll just see. We'll see where Belichick thinks he's at. So you brought it up, him being one of the best coaches. Do you put him above or below Vince Lombardi? You see, the thing is, is that I'm always big on recency, and so obviously I didn't get to, I didn't, I didn't get to witness Vince Lombardi coach. That's way before my time. So I'm, I'm gonna have to say that I think, yeah, for sure, he will be. I, th- I think that he's had an incredible career. I, I kind of agree with what you're saying. I think Bill Belichick has that pedigree, and he's done it for a while. I mean, obviously, you look at Vince Lombardi. He had, obviously, a lot of those years back in the 60s leading into it. I thought that's something you just can't mess around. And I always think about how style of football is played around the time, too. When you talk about playing back in the 60s or 70s, we're talking more crazy, running the football, bully ball kind of situation. Now it's more offensive-generated, more like style plays, fun plays. And I think now, looking at it, I think Belichick is still leading that into existence, which I think is more important than how offense are scoring and how winning is probably going to be more important, too. I think it's probably still Bill Belichick, in my opinion. I mean, absolutely. Like, it's a battle for second place because we all know Matt Nagy is going to be number one all time. I mean, he was he was the best coach hands down ever. I mean, it's it's either him or Lovey Smith. You just you got to pick one of them. No, now Crook, I have a question Uh, for you. Yeah. Um, Do the Bears go all in on Justin Fields? Do they start building their team around him, or do they let him go to blossom his career and they start rebuilding? If the Bears are willing to change the way that they fundamentally play the game, then Justin Fields is your all-in quarterback because mm-hmm. he has proven that he is a true dual-threat quarterback, both run game and passing game. And when I say true dual-threat, I'm talking Mike Vick, you know, mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick, it is a, or even Cam Newton, there is a 50-50 chance he runs it or passes it. You know, there's some quarterbacks that are like, oh, he's a dual-threat, like some say Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. I don't think that because they're going to take the open pass mm-hmm. over they're mm-hmm. going to tuck and run it. True dual Fields trusts his Actually, feet just as much speed. as he trusts yeah. his throwing, so he is a true do-threat quarterback. If mm-hmm. we do want to make the move to a quarterback and put it all into Justin Fields, the first thing we need to switch, and this is coming from an O-lineman, but we need to switch our O-line because we can't have drop-back pocket protectors mm-hmm. if the quarterback's not going to be in the pocket. Right. We have to have somebody who's agile and mobile enough to get to wherever we're swinging it. You know, a sprint out, basically block. That's what we have to start setting up because once we set that up, they're going to realize, okay, the line's moving to the left, Fields is moving to the left. Now we can set up the reverses, the naked bootlegs, things like that, which are going to be even more um, at an advantage for the Bears. So if the Bears are willing to change how they want to fundamentally look at the game, from their offense, he is the quarterback to go to. If they don't want to change and they still want to be a pound the rock, running 60 70% of the time, he's not the quarterback to go to because, yes, he can run the ball very well. I'm not knocking him on that. But he's not going to be able to take as many hits as a good running back can take. So until we switch our offensive style, I think Justin Fields is going to have a hard time being successful with the Bears. Yeah. But as soon as we switch it to suit his game plan, mm-hmm. Justin Fields is going to explode. Yeah. And back to what you said about the, him taking the big hits. We saw it in college. He is not afraid to take a big hit. Oh, no. The same in the NFL. Oh, no. That man will not slide. No. So no. do you think that event? Do you think eventually he adopts the slide into his game, realizing, hey, I want to play in the NFL for a long time? 
I believe that it's not going to be him who decides it at first that he needs to slide. It's going to be the organization that tells him you need to slide because the highest paid player on just about every single team is the quarterback. And when you're putting that many millions of dollars into your quarterback, you don't want to see them take a hit. Even if you had a Derrick Henry at your quarterback, somebody who you know is going to take a hit, you know can bounce back up, you don't want to see it because you're sitting up in your owner's suite if you're, you know, Virginia Hallis sitting up there and you're just like, okay, he took one too many hits this week. Somebody tell him to start sliding. I'm not paying millions of dollars for him to sit on the sideline and watch the game. Like, Tua took a Viola. Man takes hits. Mm-hmm. He does. He got a concussion, bad a one. severe a one. Bad one. Oh, really bad. A bad and one. they still paid him millions of dollars to watch the game. That's the crazy part. Mm-hmm. You can't accept, you can't just start feeding people money to watch the games on the sidelines. This is why Brian Erlacher's contract was not, uh, his final contract was not extended or renegotiated because when he had a thumb injury, he sat out the whole season. Instead of putting a glove on, he sat out the whole season. Well, they still paid him $1.25 million a game. And so they're not trying to just spend money. Are the Bears one of the richest organizations in the league? They're top 50. But it's still not, it is still not a huge Mm -hmm. money cap that they can just start spending money freely. Right, yeah. Uh, Transitioning into college football. Max, I have to talk about it. Michigan with the huge win, upset over Ohio what State. What happened, Max? What happened? And Michigan now moved up to two. Ohio State dropped down to five, temporarily out of the playoffs. And I say temporarily, meaningfully, because I do not believe they're going to miss the college football playoffs. Hey, I, I personally don't disagree with that either. you got to see, obviously, if you're an Ohio State fan, I mean, first of all, I'll talk about the game itself for playoff chances. I... Listen, I was at the game pregame and tailgate, and I had a great time and all that. And I thought it was going to be a great game, but obviously, we were up twenty. It was something like twenty to seventeen, something like that, at half. But then we just let up twenty-eight unanswered points to Michigan in the second half, and they took advantage of it. And you look at the stats overall for Michigan: Donovan Edwards, the second-string running back behind, came in there, had twenty-two carries, two hundred sixteen yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, if you're a defense like Ohio State, you can't allow two sixteen on the ground and expect to win a game. That's just not going to happen. It doesn't go well. And I think also you look at um, – got to still give credit to J.J. McCarthy, though, right? J.J. McCarthy coming into the game, everyone thought it probably wasn't the best pass overall, right? Everyone thought he didn't have the best passing records and all. He came into that game just on fire. I mean, one of their leaders here is uh, Cornelius Johnson had four receptions, 160 yards, and two touchdowns. And so that's, that's something you just – you can't happen as a defense like Ohio State, especially having a new defensive coordinator in Jim Knowles player that's more of aggressive plays more downhill kind of defense and I listen it's for Ohio State playoff chances that doesn't still mean they still can't get in obviously if you're an Ohio State fan or even somehow I don't know if this will happen an Alabama fan you still have a slight obviously chance to get in with possibly USC or TCU and I think looking at it I think the more upset you're going to look at is with TCU than USC I think USC is going to avenge their loss against Utah and play I think Caleb Williams right now, I think should win the Heisman Trophy in my opinion. It should just be it just should just be handed to him how he's playing. But I don't know, Crook. It was embarrassing for Ohio State, but hopefully they have a chance to play in the playoff and we'll see what happens. I mean, yeah, I mean it was quite a career game for every single Michigan key player. They 
went out there. They knew what they had to do. They knew they were going to have to play their butts off quite literally, and they did. They went out there. They took what they they took what they felt they deserved, and they deserved that spot in the second spot in the playoffs. Now, what Max is saying with the upset susceptibility, I think that USC is more likely to get upset going into the playoffs because, I mean, like like you said, Caleb Williams is playing really good football right now, but is his ego going to get in the way? I, I mean that that's a valid point. I think. Thing about USC is, and against Utah, we look at that game. That game ended up being forty-five to forty-three, a high-scoring game. It was yeah. a shootout type of game. The last time those two teams played, and I think looking at it, Utah knows how to find a way to score with them. I feel like their defense from a couple years ago was good. Now, now, not anymore. They don't have that defensive pressure like they used to. And I think I wouldn't be surprised if Utah wins. But thing about TCU is. Against Kansas State, the last time they played Kansas State, they were down 18 points, and they had to find a way to come back in that game and win the game. And I think that's going to be something to keep in mind, especially with TCU the entire season, with them coming back in the game. So for Ohio State, you got a chance, but, I mean, it's looking at it still slight. I think most of the teams, if they play their best, it should be those top four teams with Georgia, Michigan, TCU and USC. Obviously, the real rankings will come again out tonight, mm-hmm. Tuesday night, so we'll see what the committee does, especially if you're an Ohio State fan or an Alabama fan. That's going to be important, where the committee ranks them at 5 and 6 for that spot. Um, man, you guys talked about it. Number 3, TCU. They have to play number 12, Kansas State again. In that last matchup, TCU ended up winning it 38-28. And at one point, as you mentioned, they were up 18, a last-second touchdown only put them down nine at half, or pardon me, yeah, nine at halftime, and then they just came out and just took over in the second half. Mm-hmm. Kansas State now knows what they have to do oh, yeah. to beat this team. Their That first half of play was their game. They had it locked down. It was in the bag. And TCU just came out with more heart and more will to win it. It is very hard to beat a team twice in one year. Agree. It is even harder to beat a team twice, pardon me, three times in a year. Mm-hmm. Luckily, TCU only has to worry about beating Kansas State twice, but this is the game that Kansas State has been waiting for. Because are they going to make the playoffs from the 13 seed? I got nothing to lose. They're, they're not going to make the playoffs. Yeah. This is it. They're mm-hmm. fighting for that number yeah. one bull spot in the Big 12. Yeah. So, <clears throat> right, got it. so right now, I see TCU losing, and I see Ohio State moving up, USC moving up, Michigan and Georgia are going to stay the same. And I... Honest to God, I, I cannot bring myself to say it because I just don't think Georgia will lose. But out of all of the teams, the five-spot Ohio State and the six-spot Alabama have the best chances of beating Georgia, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, talent-wise, I mean, looking at Ohio State, again, I always say this, Ohio State's got all the talent in the world, right? They have talented receivers with Marvin Harrison. They have when Travion Henderson is healthy, he's good. And you got Mayan Williams that's there that's healthy as well, which actually, there's a story I played against him in high school, and yes, he's actually a talented guy. Um, and so there's they got talent of galore, and I think that's going to be something to keep in mind when you look at it. thing about Georgia is they can either come to play or sometimes they don't always come to play. And that's the thing about Georgia. Sometimes I think Stets, I've always said something about Stetson Bennett is, he is he that guy at quarterback all the time? Sometimes I wonder about him and how he plays and his decision-making and everything else. And I always thought they're a running team and their defense saves them up most of the time. So that's something to keep in mind playing against Ohio State or Alabama. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see if that happens. If Obviously, if TCU loses in this scenario we got here, and Ohio State or Alabama, which most likely I think Ohio State would get in, 
probably would be a good challenge for Georgia. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to switch it up, actually. I'm going to go over to the Big 12 for a little bit. I'm going to talk about my team, the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Uh, you know, coming off of two very tough losses, one to um, one to TC or one to Oklahoma, and then just this past week to West Virginia. I mean, JT Daniels just diced us up. I mean, there's no other way to put it. But I mean, and then uh, hearing rumors of Spencer Sanders entering the portal. I mean, if Spencer Sanders leaves the Oklahoma State Cowboys, they will have a horrendous fall off. How many years is Spencer Sanders? He feels he's like he's star- been he's, there for a long time. He's, he started all four years of his all career. All four years. Wow. Since 2019, yeah. He's had, <laughs> he's had an impeccable career. He went 7-4 and four as a freshman in 2019, 6-3 in 2020, 10-2 leading the Cowboys to the Big 12 Championship where they lost to Baylor in, uh, just last year. And then this year they're 7-3. and three. Now, I, I do believe that Oklahoma State has kind of been holding him back. Mm-hmm. However... I don't think it's right for him to leave. I don't see him fitting in anywhere else like he fits in at Oklahoma State. But with that being said, it opens the door for now uh, Mike Gundy's son, Gunner Gundy, to come in and start and take the lead of those Cowboys. And I just don't know if he can do it. Uh, I uh, scrimmaged against him in high school. I, I watched him play. He's from about an hour north of where I'm from. And, I mean, he was good. He's, he was a good high school quarterback. I just don't think that his nepotism scholarship gets, gets him that ability to command a college football offense. All right, moving forward into uh, college hoops, talking about the men's side of things in the NCAA um, division. Max, what happened to the blue scare in college hoops? You look at the top five of the power ranking, mm-hmm. it goes yeah. Houston, Texas, Virginia, Arizona, and Purdue. Not one of those teams is part of the big blue rain. I mean, what happened? Yeah, the only one that's up there is Kansas still at number nine. I mean, if you look at it, I don't know. I think it's just early. But the thing is, a lot of these matchups, when we're starting college hoops, they're playing in a lot of like tournament styles. So what I mean by that is they're playing in, like say, like Maui Invitational or Phil Knight Invitational and other things. And some of those teams they're having are valid teams. And Duke obviously just lost in, I believe, the Phil Knight, uh, one of them to Purdue, pretty badly there, 75-56. And obviously their next coming game is against Ohio State, which is another team that's, again, not doing bad in the Big Ten, right now in number 25. And so that's something to keep in mind as well. But Kentucky, a team, I've noticed this with Kentucky. If they don't have their star player, Oscar Shibwe, they are not a good team. They, don't, they only rely really on one player. And if you're Kentucky, you can't have that on a team and a roster because you need five good players on a team to do well. North Carolina, remember, they were in the championship game last year with Duke. I'm sorry, against Kansas, pardon me. And, and North Carolina was a talented team that made a run. They were really like an eight or nine seed from the NCAA tournament. They've lost a couple games they should not have lost. They dropped 17 spots from the top of the roster. That is just incredible. But I'll say this about the teams up top. You can't sleep on Houston. No. Houston is a valid, valid team. I mean, they're playing very well. Marcus Sasser can play. Their defense can play very well. And they know how. And and Kevin Sampson is just a great coach. He just knows how to coach everything well for that roster. I think it's still way too early. We don't know what's going to happen. Obviously, conference play is going to get up there. But Houston's a team I would keep an eye on. Um, Looking at another team, Purdue in the Big Ten. They just beat Duke coming off that thing. They might be a team to watch. And again, a team that's slept asleep and no one's talking about is UConn. UConn number eight. They're a team that I'm really interested to see how they will do 
in this tournament. They just came off winning, I believe, also in the Phil, Phil actually, no, in the Bahamas, pardon me, against mm-hmm. Iowa State, 71 there to 53. And they moved up 12 spots. So everyone, UConn, you just can't sleep on them. Who would have thought? They absolutely know their basketball powerhouse and women's basketball and everything else, but finally trying to get it back on the men's side. They're good. Well, I mean, you want to talk about big moves. Arizona went from 14 all the way up to four. Mm-hmm. Purdue went from. They're the biggest. With what 19. were they, number 24? Yeah. Moved all the way up to number five. UConn jumped 12, and then a team going down a bunch. UNC, North Carolina went from number two all the way down to number 18 after their second loss, the loss being against Alabama, yeah. 103 to 101. Damn, high scoring. That is, yeah. And it's just, you know, I I personally love talking about the Blue Rain, the, the Blue groups, because my team is Wisconsin. Wisconsin was really good back when they had uh, – Frank Kaminsky. Oh yeah, and right. now he he started with the Suns and he's been he's with the uh, I think believe it was in uh, Charlotte for a period of time. Yeah, he was in Charlotte with a while yeah. too, and uh, so you know you look at UConn at eight, Kansas at nine, Gonzaga at fourteen, Duke at seventeen, UNC at eighteen, Kentucky at nineteen, UCLA at twenty one. Those are the teams. I don't care how many losses they end up in. With November, they're going to end up in the top 10. At least half of those teams will be in the top 10 because I get Duke just yeah. lost Coach K, you, whether, whether it was last season, this mm-hmm. season. I Gosh, get I, I yeah. get. there's got to be something different coming on there, but UNC, I believe that's still Roy Williams coaching. Uh, or did he it's retire? Actually Her, uh, I think it's Herbert Brown, I believe. No, Hubert Brown. So, yeah, yeah Roy so Will- <laughs> that is, tells you what he, I know. <laughs> yeah, now you're good. He actually, I think, retired a couple years back, but... I'll say this, Crux, sorry if I disturb you, but I'll say this about like Gonzaga. I'll say this about Gonzaga, right? I'll give Gonzaga a lot of credit for how they've got. They've actually right now are five and two, but if you look at Gonzaga's schedule, they have one of the toughest schedules right now in college basketball. Going in this, they had to play against Michigan State, tough win. They had to went to Texas, even though they lost bad, ninety three seventy four, a really bad kind of loss. They still played a good Texas team that's building up. They beat Kentucky. They had a tough loss. Looks like they are to Purdue. And they just beat Xavier, 88-84. And they're getting ready to play Baylor here coming up and Alabama and all those other teams before they get into conference play. So, And everyone's talking about that with Gonzaga because, remember, they play in a conference in the West Coast Conference that, again, doesn't have really good teams. They're in a lower-level division, so obviously you got to show off because you're Gonzaga. And so the fact that they're doing that for their roster, I give them a lot of credit. And you're like you said, all these teams that we mentioned, they're going to get in there at the end. I think a team that still I'm sleeping on is, again, Virginia and UConn. Virginia, too, a team that's um, obviously had to go through a lot with their football program, um, with all that. But I'll still say this. I think for, for Virginia basketball, they got a valid team, and they got a valid roster and everything else. I think they'll be very good for I, Virginia. I know I didn't put it on the schedule when we sent out the uh, agenda, but it's unfair to talk about one side of college basketball, not the other. So. Right. Let's talk about everything everybody needs to know. UConn's going to win it all. No, no. What do you mean? South Carolina's run it the last, like, two or three years. South Carolina's sitting 6-0 and at the top of the bracket. Yep. You, 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 can't, sleep, you, can't, sleep, you can't sleep on the Lady Gamecocks. I think they go all the way again. Two words for you. Gino Oriema. Okay. Best Listen, college coach I, and I'm dis- of and I'm, any. And I'm disrespecting her by not knowing her name, but have you... Him heard of the South Carolina women's basketball coach. Yes. She is a dog, okay? Staley. Yes. Don Staley. She Don Staley. She leads that team 
like a war general going into battle. Once those game, once those lady gamecocks step on the field, or on the court, sorry, I'm I'm on the wrong I'm in the wrong sport. It is over, okay? You see those little you see that little chicken uh-huh. on you see the little chicken on their shirt? <laughs> it's over, okay? It is over. The lady gamecocks walk in, squash every team they play like little bugs on their, right. their feet, and it's just dominance. I will say this. Alright, Max, you're I'll, the say, I'll say this real quick. Can't sleep on Stanford women's basketball. And I and listen. I and listen. This guy. Nah, this, and, guy. And, this guy. Listen. I, I personally think they're even better than UConn and South Carolina. I think with looking at both teams, they've got talented players overall. C- Cameron Brink, you can't sleep on on them. Yes, last year they lost to South Carolina, and I think they're going to be a talented team. But I think Stanford's going to win off women's basketball, guys. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, I'm just. <clears throat> I I don't understand how I somehow. Almost adopted Donnie into crunch time, and he doesn't understand. One, Gino Oriema is the best college coach of all time. Two, that he's a here. man. I understand that he's a really he's been he's yeah. been a dominant coach in women's basketball. But I'm telling you right now, it's like the debate that we had with uh, Lombardi and uh, Belichick. Oriema is on his way out. He's old. Yeah. He's getting into the later stage of his career. Don Staley is the new. She is the new. She's going. I'll to, say this. She's going to continuously <clears throat> lead the South Carolina team to more and more championships year after year. I'll say this, right? I think a lot of teams now going overall, they're kind of getting adapted to Gina Ariema and their team. They're kind of understanding the players as a whole. Because, again, obviously he's had some of had Paige Beckers on the team, still very well-talented. Obviously has Aza Fudd right now that's really good, absolutely a player on their team. I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on. But you got to understand, these. there's a lot of teams that are going to understand what's happening. And there's still a lot of good teams that one's best keep can't sleep on. I, I think Iowa for one with Caitlin Clark. She might be up there. Um, there's still like Indiana up there. Some Ohio State. I don't even know how, but they're doing very well up there at the top at their number four and some other. So, I mean, there's gonna be a lot of good teams up there at the top, but we'll see what happens. Man, I'm gonna say this one thing before we move on. The Notre Dame women's basketball reign under Muffet McGraw oh, gosh. was Un yeah. unpeckable, and the only team that actually rivaled them was Prime UConn. I mean, those games were sellout games, and I'm not talking like cheap sellout games. I'm talking like actually expensive oh, yeah. sellout games, because I mean, you're talking about, you know, you had um, Brit Brianna Stewart mm-hmm. oh, was facing was... off against either Skylar Diggins or fill in the blank for whoever else. You had um. First-round draft pick for the Chicago Sky. Name's blanking me right now. I, uh, I can't think yeah. of her, but I, I literally have her jersey at home. I, why can I not think of her? My sister's going to be so upset. This is her favorite <laughs> player of all time. But anyways, the first three picks in that draft, it went Brittany Griner, um, the girl to the Chicago Sky, and then Skylar Diggins. I mean, you go back seven, eight years, women's college basketball – they were athletes. They were dogs. And, I mean, they're good. So, uh, you know, moving on to the World Cup because... Football! Because let's be... Come on, USA. Let's go. I mean, like, let's be honest here, guys. I, I don't watch soccer only maybe once every... Four years when the World Cup <laughs> comes on. Right, right. And I mean, I'm like 90% of the rest of America oh, right now. God. But man, dude, Donnie, give us give us the deep dive into Group B: England, USA, Iran, and Wales. 
so obviously right out the gate with the U.S. losing to Wales, we were like, we were like, oh, it's expected. The U.S. is going to drop out in the group stage. But, but they were sleeping. We got our, we got our rematch against England, you know, and we ended up drawing. Uh, one of the most boring soccer games I've ever sat through to watch, but you best believe I'm going to sit there and back my country. Um, although that, that game would have been nice to win, but with right, but right now with our win against Iran a couple, not too long ago, a couple, about an hour or two ago, it puts us in the second place in the group stage. We're looking to move on. I mean, that's nothing, that is nowhere near what anyone expected heading into this World Cup was the U.S. to make it out of the group stage, and I do believe we're going to do it. However, with that being said, um, Christian, Pulis- Christian Pulisic, he injured himself today in that game. Will it, that's going to be a big hit for that U.S. squad. However, I think that we've got the guys to pick up for it, but obviously losing a captain is very tough. And this World Cup has produced some beautiful soccer games. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. We had um, my personal favorite to watch, mm-hmm. watched it on Thanksgiving before I had some nice food, was the uh, Portugal-Ghana game. That game was an absolute shootout after the 70th minute. It was absolutely ridiculous. And now, um, I believe it was in that in that game right there was um, a little bit of trickery towards the end of the game. Uh, Portugal's goalkeeper is going to clear the ball, and a Ghana player was sitting behind him waiting for that ball. If that Ghana player were to have stolen that ball and scored that goal, I believe Ghana would have won that game. Wow. But it was, it was absolutely one of the most electric – soccer games that I have watched in a long time and I'm really enjoying the sport of soccer this year because of the World Cup man you look at it there's currently two teams that are undefeated like excluding draws as well you got France who's 2-0 and you got Brazil who's 2-0 and and then you got uh, Portugal who's 2-0 and do you think any of them can make it out of group play and end up 5-0 and with no draws no losses I, I think I think that there is a way. I do honestly think that. I believe Portugal is going to lose a game, and that's not because they aren't good, but every team's got to lose eventually. But I just think that out of those three teams, they are the least strong team. Now, you go to the Brazil side. I mean, Brazil has shooters everywhere. They get the ball to anyone, not just Neymar. Anyone, if you're spending too much time focusing on Neymar, you're screwed because you're, you're about to get a goal shot behind you, all right? I don't know many of the players' names, but dude with the uh, dude's got short blonde hair, like dyed blonde hair for Brazil. He scored two goals against, um, I believe it was against Serbia in their game in their two uh, zero win against Serbia. He had their bo- both of their only goals, and on one of them, he had the most beautiful bicycle kick I think I have ever wow. seen. And now it's like I'm I'm being honest. I've always hated on soccer, mm-hmm. but this. This year, this World Cup is really bringing me some love for this game, and I'm really enjoying it. All right, Max, give us the breakdown right here. I'm going to ask you something. I'll see it. Argentina. If you're the coach for Argentina, do you still lean heavily on Lionel Messi, or do you start looking for the future? Uh, I mean, obviously, I'd probably start looking for the future because obviously Messi is starting to get obviously up in that age where you don't know where he's going to be at in his career. Obviously, I thought I heard a rumor, Donnie might have to help me with this, that he was trying to go over to MLS, possibly I heard. Yeah. No, yeah. Is that right? Yeah, that's, yeah. that's for league play. But yes, like what, yeah. what, what you're saying with that, with, if Messi does come over to the United States, that will bring so much popularity to the sport 
and I, I, I mean, I hate to say it, yeah. being, being a being tried and true red, blue, blood, red, mm-hmm. white, and blue blood American, I mean, football will become the world's best sport. It already is the world's most watched sport, but it will become the world's best sport if we get international talent like Messi over to the United States. I mean, First of all, I think that's great, right? I think that's great to have that. Obviously, is, having sure. those international players, that's because a lot of people, they don't see, like, obviously, we talk about football. They see soccer around, and having that another player there, having more jerseys and sales, that's perfect for, mm-hmm. obviously, for that team and for the league itself. Uh, getting back to the real question, though, I think you do want to start building, though, because you obviously can't just have with obviously Messi on your team. you got to have other players, just like you said with Brazil. With, with this also being yeah. Messi's last World and Cup. And last World Cup. And so that's why you got to get into that, I believe, situation with Messi. And obviously getting back to, and I'll, listen, I, I respect soccer, too. I love watching the World mm-hmm. Cup. My sister plays soccer, so I respect it in a great sense. Yeah. And so I like watching, though, obviously the goalkeepers and how they play. I always like watching how the goalkeepers play and how they make shutouts. And obviously... A lot of these teams, I mean, it's been a high-scoring World Cup, I've noticed. A lot of high-scoring games. Obviously, United States looks like they're going to be ready to play Netherlands coming up in the next round. And then yeah. England's going to play uh, Senegal. For the, I'm going to ask this for you, Donnie, because I know I, I didn't know you were actually a soccer guy, World Cup guy, until I saw this. So now yeah. I'm just listening, so I'm going to ask you. United States playing Netherlands here. Netherlands, is they're not a bad team, right? They come in, they have some good players. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to come in, you know, they don't have the team as they usually do. What do you expect from the United States against Netherlands here in that matchup? I expect the United States to come out and play with a chip on their shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to sit there thinking no one thought we were going to be here, but they're going to, I truly believe that the U.S. has a chance to make a deep run. I don't think that we win the World Cup, but I think we have a chance to make a big run. All right, and then... Um, <clears throat> And then uh, we got a couple more things just on the World Cup real quick. We were talking about MLS, uh, Messi coming over for MLS. Um, The last big generational talent to come over to MLS was uh, Zlatan. Not even going to try his last name. I haven't tried that, yeah. But, I mean, when he came over, he was not. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Ibrahimovic. He was not modest at all, right? Mm -hmm. He came over and he literally, he was here. Um, uh, just a little bit before LeBron went to L.A. And when LeBron got there, uh, he actually sent him, you know, sent him a letter Mm. that said, now L.A. has a king and a god. So he refers himself to a god of football, and he refers to LeBron James as the king, because King LeBron. King LeBron. And I mean, like, not modest at all, and that's totally different from what you'll get out of uh, Lionel Messi. Messi is a very... Soft, soft spoken, gets his work done, gets in and out. And that's really strange to see because when you look at people like Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, Zlatan, Neymar, like these guys are like, yeah, I'm that good. Mm-hmm. Messi shows up and he's just like, I'm here to work. Yeah. No, just real quickly, I just, I just like, like I had mentioned before, how these type of players are coming into the U.S. and all that. I think it's. It's very important, I think, also just, first of all, for the money for the U.S. they're getting, for all these teams and getting these type of players. I think it makes the sport more interesting to watch. I think it makes more people like want to be tuned into it and see these type of players, especially with the influences of like Zlatan, I'm not, like you mentioned, I'm not going to say that, um, and then having Messi come over here coming up into the U.S. I think it's just going to be great for the sport and great for those type of leagues especially. All right, so Donnie had to step out for a second, maybe his uh... – target manager heard his oh remark at the beginning but uh the fun thing we have at the end we are ranking the rocky movies so creed 3 has not come out yet but creed 1 and 2 
are on the table as options. Max, what do you have at your number eight spot? Because there's eight movies. So which eight one movies. is going to be at the bottom for you? I probably will say the Rocky Balboa from 2006. And I'll probably say that one because if you look at it, all, all the type of Rocky movies, they're kind of, at the end of the regular acts, they kind of got off script a little bit, I think. They kind of got off script and kind of got more to the backstory of kind of Rocky a little bit more. And obviously his career ending a little bit towards obviously all the pain and suffering and all all that kind of stuff. And I thought just that movie was just a little bit too... I don't know. It was too too based on that, and I didn't I didn't really appreciate that movie as much as the others. So that would probably be my eight spot. What about you? Absolutely, I'll agree with that. In my seven spot, I am going to put uh, Rocky Five, the one where he actually trains a guy to become the best, and he says, "Oh, I'm the best now." And then they actually fight mm-hmm. in the in the movie. I was just was not a fan of it. I mean, I want to see Rocky boxing. Not fighting in a street, right. so I mean, yeah, I I, I actually yeah. would agree with that too. I'd keep it at the number seven spot. We're on agreeance for the first two. I think it's just again when we see Rocky, we always want to see, and we'll probably get through his list is Rocky actually doing it. And I think we've noticed from the first couple of movies, and then obviously with Creed, we notice obviously with those is that he gets very intense um, training Creed, and obviously the story behind that and trying to be. Up to like his father, so just the fifth one didn't really do that that much for me. So yeah, that'd be my seventh spot. All right, now what's your sixth spot? Sixth spot. Okay, this is where it kind of gets a little interesting for me. I would probably say Creed two, Creed two as my sixth spot. And Creed, listen, I think Creed the first one. I think Creed two is a, is not a bad one. It's better, I think, than the other the last couple Rocky movies. It's just, I think with the first Creed, it kind of got what we wanted with it you know what i mean it kind of got to the point of it and creed 2 is similar to the others i think with the creed series and obviously we'll have to see what happens with creed 3 but i think that's kind of it just didn't live the expectations for rocky 6 you know i i have to agree with creed 2 at 6 because in rocky 4 he went over to russia because his best friend apollo creed died by the hand of ivan drago and i mean in creed 2 it's kind of like ivan drago's son Apollo's yeah. son, but his mentor kind of, yeah. is Rocky, so it's right. like it's basically just a grudge match mm-hmm. from your kids. And I mean, don't get me wrong, it was it was a great movie, but the plot and the script could have been better. I yeah. think they could have introduced that movie a little bit later. Right. But mm-hmm. I agree with you with that. It just felt um, like it was just it was just a little bit over from the first grade, I think, in yeah. my opinion. In my five spot, I am going to go with the original Rocky in my five spot because the point of the first Rocky movie was not for him to win, which is why he didn't win the match. But you know what he did win? Confidence. This man stepped into the ring as a guy who was a so-so fighter, boxing for the mob, a mob enforcer, basically. And this man came in and he said, you know what? I deserve to be in this ring with the heavyweight champion of the world. And he went 15 rounds with Apollo Creed. And it was it was the biggest moral victory anybody could have ever asked for. I mean, Creed, Creed was not ready for it. You could see he was exhausted after the seventh round. And, you know, Rocky, bless his heart, just was taking a beating and a beating and a beating. And he just, he finally, he finally went to the mat one last time. And he's like, you know what? I'm tired of being down here. 
So he got back up, and he kept fighting. Um, Donnie's back. So, Donnie, you missed it. In our eighth spot was, or pardon me. Yeah, in our eighth spot was Rocky Balboa. Okay. Seven spot was Rocky Five. Six was Creed Two. And five, we just said. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Creed Two at six? Creed Two is at six. I'm going to disagree, but keep going. Um, well, what, what's your disagreements? <clears throat> Who would you put in the sixth spot? In that sixth spot? Well, because I've already I've said this multiple times. I'll reiterate it again. I'm a big fan of recency. Things that have come out in my lifetime that I've gotten to enjoy as in the beginning, since conception. And so those Creed movies, with the third one coming out next year, I'm, I believe that the, all three of those movies are better than the top half or the, better than the bottom half of all the Rocky movies do you, do you, do you feel that in here man I feel it, it. got it's really getting, it's getting hot. hot we're getting a little hot get a hot take in here nah, it's, hey, it's, 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 it's not it's not a bad I don't disagree it, with that it, take that much either. yeah it's, <clears throat> I feel like it's not as hot of a take because you can realize how good those Creed movies are yeah. and you can see like what they're doing with the Rocky storyline and I like how they didn't just make like a movie about Rocky training a guy because everyone is expecting that it, I mean, it. those Creed movies have taken every bit of a good spin on the Rocky franchise and have made it that much better. Absolutely. And then at five, I put the original Rocky, and I've yet to hear if Max agrees or disagrees. I personally disagree with that. I actually really like the first Rocky movie, and obviously we'll see as the list goes by where I put that. I put Rocky four on there at five. And it's a tough take. It's a tough take at Rocky. But listen... I personally, when I look at the third one, I always liked the third one a lot because I thought the third one was a good one overall with the take. Because I always liked, obviously, him, Apollo. I always like to see how Apollo's friendship built up with Rocky. And I thought, obviously, with the first two movies we saw him fighting each other. We finally get to saw that in the third movie. And the fourth movie, I don't know. I just felt like, obviously, I mean, I'm Drago. That boy, first of all, obviously killed and obviously destroyed Apollo Creed in that match and obviously Rocky wanted to avenge that and wanted to take care of that with trying to defeat obviously Drago and I think that was just it just it just felt tough a little bit for me so it's it's tough because listen that's a great movie I love the movie a lot but it just comes for five for me because this list is still really good and then who's your five spot Donnie my five spot I've got Rocky one. Ooh, okay I feel same, like, same I feel, as me. I, I feel like I me. should go through the bottom of my list real quick. So to round off, I'm at the eighth spot, I've got Rocky Balboa. Same. After that, I've got Rocky Five. Same. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I've got Rocky Three. Okay. Okay. I know that that is going to be heavily debated upon, uh, disagreed upon, but it's really what it is. I just like the first one over the third one, and. Uh, after that, my top my top four. I mean, it, it's not moving. All right, so bring bring it back. Who's number four? Number four, I've got Creed two. Okay, okay. And that's just simply for the fact of the continuation of the uh, of the Adonis Creed storyline. It's cinema masterpiece, really. I mean, there's no other words to put it other than that. Max, who's your number four? So obviously, I really liked. I personally really like to put Rocky the original in my number four spot. And I put that at the original four spot because I always still, I really liked, I kind of like just how the storyline is. Obviously, we first get to meet Rocky in the film. We get to understand his point of view. 
And I thought, though, at the same time, though, I always wanted to, like you mentioned before, see Rocky as the victor. I felt at the end, it felt like him not winning that first matchup. And then, obviously, we get it. That's why they're sequels, right? That's why they kept going on with the series because of that. And so, I think just for me, I thought if maybe if he would have won, it would have got up more on top of my list. But he's, that's at number four for me. Well, you talk mm-hmm. about winning being the main reason you go to a Rocky movie. Rocky lost in Rocky, which is why he was at my number five spot. And Creed lost in Creed, which is why it's going to be at my number four spot. Oh, oh, no. You did not. So Creed is my number four spot. My number three spot is Rocky Three, And the only reason it made it this far up the list is because of one song. It's the Eye of the Tiger. That is the only reason Rocky Three is up there to me because... The old adage, the biggest saying that's ever come out of the Rocky movies is, it's not about how hard you can get hit. Mm -hmm. It's about how hard can you get hit and keep Mm -hmm. moving forward. Rocky got got his butt handed to him, and he wanted to crawl in a hole and die. And it was Apollo Creed because his trainer, his trainer Mick, actually passed away. Mm -hmm. So it was Apollo and his trainer who brought him out of the darkness and said... You have to fight. You have to keep going. So that is why Rocky Three is at my number three spot. Max? Me? Yeah. I would say the first movie, Creed, is my third spot. And I put it at that one because, again, just like the first one, obviously, I'm losing at the end. But I also I like the development, personally, of how Creed was in the beginning than it was with Rocky. And I like it because you get to see... Everything else was with both with how both fighters, right? And I think Creed was a guy that obviously wanted to see what his dad was like. He wanted to be better than his dad and everything. And I thought just the development of that as it went on was a little bit too much for me, I thought, because I wanted to see more of the fights a little bit more. But I think it was still good to see, obviously, what his son believed at with Apollo. So for me, Creed gets my number three spot. Nadine, what about you? What's that number three? Uh, my three spot, I give it to Rocky Four. Um, and I'm going to be honest, I mean, whenever you think of Rocky, you think of Rocky Balboa fighting Ivan Drago. So So why is it your three spot? That's because I've got two better movies on top of it. And so, but no, but I mean, everyone thinks of Ivan Drago <clears throat> going out there thinking he's going to do the same thing he did to Apollo Creed to Rocky. And guess what? He doesn't. And so that's... I mean, literally goosebumps anytime you watch that movie. The emo- like the you feel the, you feel the emotion, even though it is a movie. You feel that emotion as if it was a actual live storyline boxing match. All right, and then your two spot, Donnie. My two spot. I'm giving it to Rocky too, because you got to think about it. Everyone's got their. I mean, life's a roller coaster for everyone. Everyone's got their ups and downs, and in Rocky two, he hits his biggest up. He finally wins. So I, I think that, that for overall storyline purposes and then just the movie itself are awesome. For me, it is Rocky Three at number two. And it's it's made that journey up, and it, I'm kind of like Kruk as well with um, Eye of the Tiger obviously being that song. But I kind of just like, like, again, someone different. Just seeing the friendship obviously happen between Apollo then and obviously Rocky. You mentioned the first two movies. They saw them trying to get with each other, fighting overall. And I thought it was just cool to see that connection happening with each other. And 
and it just was a very good movie and got my number two spot. What about you, Crow? My number two spot is also going to be Rocky Two because in Rocky Two, it opens with both fighters going to the same hospital after the Rocky One match. It is quite literally picking up where it left off. Mm-hmm. And the part I will never forget about this movie. Apollo Creed is in a wheelchair and he rolls himself into Rocky's room. And this is the heavyweight champion of the world who just fought a nobody. And he's sitting there and he's like, did you let me win? Uh, That's like walking up. That's like Alabama barely beating Avila University. And Nick Saban goes up to Mark Benavidez and he says, did you let us win? Yeah, exactly. Like, yes, you won the match. You are the one who got the win on his record. But every single person in the building, in Philadelphia, in the United States, in the world watching, knows who won the match. It was Rocky Balboa. My number one spot is Rocky IV. You talked about it earlier. When you think of Rocky, you think of him beating um, Ivan Drago, played by Dolph Lundgren. And you think about all of the things that he had to go through. Rocky Balboa was retired from boxing. Apollo Creed was doing a fun, like a fun exhibition match against the Russians because it was, you know, either right after or in the height of the Cold War. And this guy comes in and just literally kills him with boxing gloves on. And Rocky comes out of retirement and he's like, I have to do this for Creed. And I'm not a boxer. I've never been a boxer. Probably will never be a boxer. But if one of my friends died in a boxing match, it would take everything in my power to not want to become a boxer to get even. And, I mean, this is, this is the Rocky movie. There's a picture right here. If you, if you Google Rocky Ford, you will see a picture of him being held up by his trainers in his corner with an American flag over his body and I mean that is the most American sports photo there is and it's not even a real sports photo that is the crazy part so Rocky Ford that is that is my pick for number one yeah I mean I I, I don't disagree with that take I mean I had obviously Rocky Ford a little bit lower than both of you guys and both of mine just because I thought it was a little bit a little bit off-centered a little bit from the Rockies in my opinion but I picked Rocky II as my first one. And I think Rocky II overall, I always want to see the, the person that always got beat down find a way to get back up again and win. And the fact that he found a way to get back up and do it again, being in those shoes, I thought that was just very fun and very cool. That's why I got Rocky II as my number one pick. Now, I actually just made last-minute changes. I know for a fact that I said Creed II was at my four spot, but I'm moving it up to my one. Think about it. What's better than Rocky getting his revenge for Drago killing Apollo Creed? Apollo's Adonis son. Creed going in and waffle stomping Drago's son. To the point where Drago himself has to throw in the towel so his kid doesn't get killed. Yeah. It, I'm goosebumps just fucking talking about it. See? But you know what I'm saying? It's just such an electrifying movie. It's just it just brings out that emotion in you. You know, it's just one of the best movies I think of all time. Yeah. All right, and those are our lists. Uh, we'd like to thank you all for tuning in. 
um, from Donnie, Mad Max, Jacob Krukenberg. We'd love to uh, thank you all for your continued support. Um, the new Crunch Time jerseys and polos are out, so make sure you reach out to us either on YouTube, podcast, um, or any other way you can contact us to see a picture of them um, or see them actually worn by one of the hosts. But until next time, this is Jacob Krugenberg, Mad Max Donnie, signing out. And don't forget, in the famous words of Rocky Balboa, it's not about how hard you get hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep going.